I'm so happy right now. Why are you so happy, Joe? Um, because, you know, we, we talk a lot, you and I. We do. We get sick of each other, obviously. Sick of you now. Yep. And then we <laughs> always make it back here. We do. And we swim around in the koi pond. You like that? I do. I like that. But every now and then I get somebody uh, in here that uh, always indirectly inspires me. And, uh, and it's just not only a great person, but a phenomenal comic internationally and nationally. That's what I love the most. When you can talk to an audience across the world, across the board, truly is uh, proof that comedy is a universal language. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like music and comedy. And I'm starting to think comedy is starting to take over music. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, Maz Jabrani. Joe, I'm so happy to be here. I love you, man. I'm right back at you. It's like, it's a weird world we're living in right now because even before the pandemic, but even more so under the pandemic, Yeah, we just see each other on Instagram in the sort, right? That's it. So, and you know how the Instagram algorithm is. So if you give a love or whatever, you know, something, it starts giving you that person's so somehow I must have said something on Joe's. I, I just keep seeing Joe and I'm like, hey, Joe. And it's yeah. funny because then I'll run into some other comedian. I'll be like, like Sebastian. I'll be like, you still doing comedy? <laughs> yeah. I go, right. I haven't seen you on Instagram because right. the algorithm doesn't feed it. Yeah. They're like, go like, go like one of my pictures, go asshole. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you press the heart, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> when you're not interested, you're not going to know. Yeah. So that's what's been happening. So I've been seeing with the the you know the 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 the, the doll, actually the books, and yeah. I'm so and I, I'll be honest with you. What's great about you, and this goes all the way back to when we were starting out at the Laugh Factory yes. together. You've always been the same positive hustle, and it's the same way you said that. Like I get inspired by you because I go, oh, wow. I remember. I'm sure you've talked about this several times. The um, the cards you'd pass out. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that was crazy because we'd be, we'd all be there and it was like me and Joe and back then it was like uh, like Ruben Paul, Ruben Paul, Johnny Sanchez. Yes. Let's say like Mitch Mullaney was the headliner. Yep. You're like, "Oh, this guy's killing. Like how am I going to follow that?" You know, Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Some of these guys you go, "Oh my god." And then and Laugh Factory then was like super hot. That's like the dark ages, early 2000s, yeah, man. dark ages of the store. Killer. So now everyone's like, oh, this is great. Let's go upstairs. Let's get a drink. Not Joe. He's outside with a box. Hey, here I am. Follow me. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just getting the word out. Yeah. Yeah, but sincere. It was never like, it was never like, there was nothing beyond just you enjoyed it. You want them to keep following you and you had a right to. And I was like, God, I got it. I get some cards made. <laughs> Yo, they used to make fun of me too. Yeah. Ruben Paul, I think Paula Bell would make fun of me. And they're like, sure. hey, go hand out your cards, Joe. Yeah. Hey, they're out there. Go yeah. ahead. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> hand out those cards. But I did the reason why is um, you want me to tell you the the story behind that? Sure. I saw an interview and I believe I, I hate doing this because I always say it. maybe I should research it, right? But I, I believe it's Aerosmith. Okay. Aerosmith was doing an interview, and I think Steve Tyler said they were printing out flyers, right? Yeah. To tell people where they were. And uh, they literally were going to every car and sticking it in the windshield wipers. I'm like, imagine 
Aerosmith in the parking lot, right, right. heading out, like putting flyers. Like, yo, if they did it, yeah. then I can do it. Right. Absolutely. Right? That's a perfect, like, Puffy said it the best, man. I don't need to tell you what I did for success. The blueprint is there. Mm, I've yeah. shown you. It's yeah. public. Yeah. I've shown you what I did. If you're asking me what I did to be successful, you're you're pretty much lazy. Yeah. You know what it is. And, you just and, don't want to do it. You just want to say it. Well, listen, I say this all the time. You and I both know there's some comedians who are killers. Yes. But they were never good at marketing themselves, never good at doing the business side. And you go, oh, man, why didn't that person get discovered? Or why hasn't that person? But maybe they will eventually. But they just never found their comfort zone because by the way you gotta have a comfort zone in this exactly. right yeah so just like you were saying yourself i early on i, I heard tommy davidson talk at a, at a screen actors guild had like a seminar for new comedians and i'm sitting there watching and tommy davidson was speaking and he goes when i came from dc he goes i would go to these clubs and i would kill but he goes what made me different was on the way out as people were leaving i'd say hey here's a list please sign up on my email list i'll yep. let you know that hit me. So what I used to do is I used to get before the internet, all that stuff. I worked at an ad agency. I had like four goofy shots. So I would just rotate the shots and I would take postcards and I would have the picture here and then it would, and then I would get uh, stickies and I would stick on the back the shows for the month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I would put stamps and I'm talking like three, 400 postcards at night. I'm doing this, uh, put it in the mail, have my mailing list. Then I would take it to the, Casting direct, you used to, you you'd go to uh, breakdown services and give it to them to send it to casting directors. Who these motherfuckers? They, they never showed up. Right, right, right. But in your right. mind, you're like, some casting director is going to see my goofy shot and be like, I need that guy. <laughs> right. Those. Right. Be but meanwhile, your crowd. Once you start, you know, getting those people. So what happened for me? What helped my early success was people would book me for a bringer show. Mm. Now you know, bringer mm. shows is like ten horrible comedians. But out of the mm -hmm. ten horrible comedians. I was one of the better horrible comedians. Yeah. <laughs> and like you were saying, I had started this mailing list. So all of a sudden I'd bring five people, 10 people. And someone, someone else would come and be like, you, Hey, can you come do my bringer show? Cause I was constantly bringing yeah. people to my shows just cause I was marketing. Yes. So that's such a big part of it. Yeah. Dude. Mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. It's word of mouth is still King. I'm yeah. sorry. No, for sure. You can Number spend one. thousands and thousands of dollars on radio billboards, magazine ads, word of mouth it, and, and tangible ads. It's flyers. number, it's number one because, because for example, your t-shirts, right? When yeah. you have your t-shirts and somebody's you know, a fan wearing is it. wearing that and a friend or family member sees that, they trust that person, yeah. right? Like they trust their opinion about you as, yeah. a, as an artist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're walking billboards, basically. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. walking around with your advertisement. Right. Yo, yes, here, you can have one. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I loved about Moz is uh, his blow up was so cool, right? Because well, Moz was always a beast, like when he would come to, uh, to the Laugh Factory. And like he said, it was the earlier stages, mm -hmm. right? So all the cats that you're kind of seeing right now, we were kind of like, we were on the cusp. A lot of us were like, you know, you're at the 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 you're you're about to jump off, right? But you're you're on your tippy toes. You're right. doing one of those cartoon moves. We're like, yeah, 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 and then and then explosion, right? Uh, Maz was one of those guys, right? He's like, ah, I'm almost there, right? And then all of a sudden, he gets like, it's like TV, no, no, movie, movie. They weren't they weren't big parts, right? There, but for us. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Cause this is just Moz, you know, this guy that's right, yeah. running in and, and doing a spot and then going to another place and doing a spot. Like that was, that's what we saw. Yeah. And then he's walking in. We're like, 
oh shit, this dude was in the movie. <laughs> right. My mom's right. got another movie. Right. Shit, he got another movie? <laughs> isn't that isn't that crazy? Because you're totally right. Because in my mind, I'm just like, because j- j- just like you, I'm excited to get the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm sometimes thinking they miscast me. I honestly thought, because the, the two big ones that I got back then, one was Friday After Next. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was the interesting thing about that was that I was working as a receptionist at some, that was a, a, cause I I was working at, I used to be an assistant at an advertising agency. They folded, someone started another like marketing company. They were like, you want to come be a receptionist? I go, sure. So I'm answering phones, but I'm coming up and doing my standup by night. And then I go audition for Friday after next and I get the part. And because I was like a freelance receptionist, and by the way, it's not like they can't replace the reception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like, okay, go do your movie and you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So I go off for two weeks to do Friday after next. They were shooting down in Long Beach. And you know, back then it was like, so I did two weeks. They paid me eight grand a week. I made $16,000. Meanwhile, yeah. as a receptionist, the whole year I was probably making like 25 grand. Right. Yeah. So I'm already three fourths of the way in <laughs> yeah, yeah. of my whole income after two weeks. Right. 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 And yeah. I'm showing up and they got food and there's Ice Cube and there's, you know, yeah, Mike, Mike Epps right. and yeah. John Witherspoon. Cat Williams is in the yeah. same plaza. I knew Cat before that Cat in the hat. from stand up. Yeah. yeah. But it was his first movie, movie or yeah, big right, movie right. it was me hey and terry cruz were the new guys yeah that's right that's I, right yeah. what a fucking cast yeah. that's right i forgot that was the breakout movie for you guys if for listen cat like Blue Blue terry, up. terry yeah. Yeah. yeah and i just remember laughing so cat was just funny on off in between just a sweetheart of a guy yeah. yep so anyway, all this like for two weeks, I'm living. I got my own trailer for two weeks, <laughs> yeah, right. making my sixteen grand. Well, you know how it is when you're done. They're like, all right, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. yeah, good luck good on your luck. next audition. Yeah, yeah. Then they go like this. Thanks, Maze. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. wait. It's my last day, and you said my name wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. What the fuck, bro? I'm back at the reception job. Oh man! But that's the thing from the outside looking in, like for for people that are spectating, it looks it's a big, it's a huge, huge deal. I think. Yeah. But when you're going through it, it's it's just an, it's another job. It's another gig for him. But for us, it was like holy shit, yeah. this dude's next Friday. <laughs> and, and by the way, right, everyone right. on set is also saying, "Bro, after this, you're gonna woo, you're taking mm-hmm. off. You just go ahead and." Just go get a mansion. You know why? Why are you waiting? <laughs> go buy it, man. So you're in your head. You're like, oh, wait, is this guy right? Da, da, da. So you're all over the place, right? And then you're back. And like you said, I mean, that's the beauty of stand-up comedy. I think is that if I were just an actor, yeah, that might have like I might have crashed hard because mm-hmm. I'm yeah. coming off of this celebrity stuff, and now I'm back into like being a receptionist. What? But when you're a comedian, you're so used to getting shit on, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Laugh Factor. They were like, oh, you want to perform on the open mic? You just show up at Noon, noon line up till seven yeah in wow. line with a bunch of like like uh, uh insane people yeah right. insane insane in fucking sane because it's an open mic yeah. so it's like you know, there's comics right. uh, well there's guys that want to be comics mm-hmm. and then there's just people that just want to be warm tonight <laughs> yeah and let's just go and fuck it i'll go on stage and right. i'm gonna do this thing where i juggle and my spit and your insecurity comes in and your insecurity comes in because i remember when i went to yeah. line up yeah. these guys because these guys all do these crazy open mics together so they all know each other yeah. yeah they know when to get there they know who so i show up i'm like out of 20 they're gonna they're gonna see 20 people that night i'm like maybe number 15 yeah. Wait, are you talking about Laugh Factory or Comedy Store? Laugh Factory. Laugh Factory. Oh, my God. And Jamie's going to see you. Jamie's going to see you. You're going to do three minutes, and he'll talk to you. Dude, 
I'm standing outside. This is before, so this is when I had my day job at the at the ad agency, and I told my boss, "Listen, I gotta get, take off work at noon to go stand in this line." Jeez. I'm standing there, and all these cuckoos are there talking to each other. And one, like one guy's like, "All right, guys, listen, here's the rules: no holding places for anybody." So I'm sitting in my head. I'm like, "Oh, this guy must be. This guy's legit. I mean, he's he obviously yeah. comes all the time. He yeah. must be." Not thinking if he's coming all the time, then he's not getting past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, I'm going, oh, he knows what he's doing. Then the guy shows up. He's got like missing fingers, and he's got his whole set written on cardboard boxes. Oh, he's picked up here and there in yeah. different colors. He's like, yeah. you want to see my set? But oh. he's outside running the show. He's These guys outside are running, managing the line. No, no, no. He's just he's going through a set list, right? He's going through a set list. No, no. Another guy's running the line. Basically, uh, all these cuckoos in my you. head. I'm going, oh my god, these guys must be amazing because you know, yeah. We we go there. Number one goes up. You see him, like, he was so confident outside. He's on stage now. He's sweating. <laughs> and he's, and he's, he's looking over at Jamie, and Jamie's like, yeah. No, buddy. <laughs> buddy Last no. time, buddy. No and I'm more. like, oh, my God, this guy's so insecure. Yeah. He was, like, he was the king of the line. The king of the line. Yeah. But once he gets on that stage and oh. the light goes on, yeah. This dude is fucked. Yeah, he was the Lion King. He was oh, the Lion King. Oh, wow. <laughs> you like that? That's yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, but it's Lion yeah, King. No, 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 yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I swear to God, Dre, out of 20 people, I think two of us overall, one guy was pretty good and I felt strong. And I go, oh my God. And yeah. then you all got to go like, line, stand up upstairs. Jamie goes, far booth, like the Godfather. Stands, yep. sits in the corner. You're all standing in line for him to give you the review. Yeah. And I just remember, I don't know how it went for you. The first time I said with Jamie, buddy, you're really good. You're amazing. Buddy, you're fantastic. Buddy, you are like groundbreaking. You could be Richard Pryor. Come back in five months. <laughs> <laughs> I go, what the? You just, Holy shit. I, you just, I, I thought Dude. I was good. Yeah. yeah. Come back yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. I, ne I never did the open mic. I did the, uh, I got in. You remember Amy Anderson? Yes. Asian lady. Yeah, of and course. then she had the Asian show. I got on the Asian show and um and and I kept I was crushing. I was mm -hmm. doing great, right? And um and I would see him, like you would have rumors because he wore the same brown jacket. Yeah, Remember yeah, he had the yeah. same brown jacket. So I would hear rumors like, oh, he he's here. You know what I mean? I, but I missed him, right? And then it was like and then finally I saw him, I was like, Oh, he's here. So I'm gonna make sure I crush him. I remember I was crushing in front of him. I got off stage and I go, Hey Jamie, you know how he's very standoff. Yeah, of course. Hey, buddy, hey, I go, did you happen to see my set? Uh, and he goes, no, I did not see it. They were talking to me, buddy. I go, oh, all right, shit. And then Ralphie May comes out of nowhere like a god and goes, hey, man, quit acting like you didn't fucking see him. Nice. You know he's funny. <laughs> Nice. That's bullshit, Jamie. Yeah. Stop wow. fucking with this kid. Yeah. You've seen him. <laughs> don't fuck with him like that. And don't that, do that. And that, then and that's, that's how I got in. And that's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. Is when guys like you or Ralphie or me or whoever, because once you get Jamie, once you win him over, yeah. you bust his balls. Bust his <laughs> balls, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thank God, rest in peace, uh, Ralphie, because uh, he's the reason. But I mean, there was, I'm talking, we, I'm, by the way, I'm working at Nordstrom Rack, Borders Books. I'm cleaning yachts on the fucking weekend. And, uh, and then finally, uh, he, he, Ralphie saves me. It's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Because, because we know each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've done that with Jamie before too, where especially like now, like he's my, he's like a brother now. And so before the pandemic, when we would do shows, we'd sit around and drink wine with Jamie. And if someone that was funny came up and Jimmy didn't know him, I'd be like, hey, this is so-and-so, he's hilarious. 
Okay, buddy, you call Jamie. He's not calling shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him a time right now, buddy. Why are you breaking my boss, Jamie? Like don't that, give me that buddy. bullshit. And by the way, one of the, my favorite nights, I'm hanging out with me. I think it was Tony Rock. Yes. Tiffany mm. might have been there. Yeah. Tehran was there. We're all hanging out. Joe comes back. Yeah. And I yeah. felt so good. Aww. I felt so good. And you went on that stage, dude. Yeah. And no, I, Tiffany brought me there. Tiffany brought you yeah. there. Yeah. Where were you guys coming from? From the forum, Elton John. And she goes, I'm going, she goes, where are you going? I go, oh, I'm just going to go home. She goes, I'm going to the Laugh Factory. Come with me. And I'm like, I don't know. Jamie and I kind of had a stupid fallout for some dumb reason. She right. goes, I don't care. You coming with me. And then I walked in. He hugged me. He yeah. goes, and now we're we're talking again. So thank Dude, God. That's cool. I get chills because it's like in, in my. I've that always, was such a special night too. Such a special night. It was us. It was the the gang again. It Dude. was Tony, Maz, Tiffany, me. I was like, yo, this is like Dude. amazing. And it's like, and and my favorite thing has become. It used to be so. I my 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 hang used to be the comedy store, because mm -hmm. that's where I first became a regular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um and and I used to love hanging out and just till one or two in the morning. You listen to like I don't know. Paul Mooney telling a story. Eddie Griffin telling Joe D Joey Diaz, yeah. best storyteller in the world, bro. I tell you right now, bro. Yeah, I mean, one of his lines still sticks in my head. She had a pussy who looked like a bat with a hangover. Like, oh wow! I mean, I love that description. I mean, I know, I know, I've seen that. Yeah. You know her? Yeah, it's a bad bat. Yeah. I see that one. He's he's a poet. He is a poet. But I used to be my hang. But then eventually, what happened was as guys aged out as Sebastian hit the road and Tripoli and Brett Ernst and all the guys I came up with, that place started hitting the road. The factory became the place for yeah. me to hang. So now what I would do before the pandemic, I would go get my set in at the store, which I love, by the way, love the store, love, love the shows. But then I would end the night at the factory, sipping on wine, Tony coming through, Johnny Sanchez coming through, Ruben coming through. Just, it I was would get, crazy. It was crazy. And so that night for you to show up, it was like I was already. I was already. I would tell people because the com comics of our age, you know, we we got shit to do. We're not hanging out that long. But I would tell people, dude, if you can swing by the factory, like around eleven or so, it's loose. We're all busting balls. Comics. It's like a sitcom. People yeah. come in and out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so fun. Yeah. And to turn around and I mean, again, I'm telling you, I get emotional because I was like. That's because I know you guys had your thing. Yeah. And oh, I've always cool. been someone who, looking back on it, like I grew up, my parents, you know, were not the, the best couple. So I was probably someone who's always been like, guys, we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's find the friendship. Yeah. 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 So that yeah. was a beautiful moment. No, that's night, cool. Man. Man. It was a beautiful moment. That's cool. And I'm, I'm so happy that I'm back with them again because I, I really do enjoy being able to go. And one of my favorite moments because of that, oh, shit. Uh, let me tell you the, the best part of that is like, um, you know, because when we had the falling out, Joe was two. You know what I mean? He was like two years old, three years old. And then now he's 17. You know what I mean? Wow. And he's and now he was at that age where his his friends were cruising the strip. Yeah. And they love like looking at the marquees and they're like, Dad, didn't you play the Laugh Factory all the time? Like you always talk about. It. I go, yeah. He goes, man, I, I want to see it. Like. And I would always in my head, I'm like, oh, well, fuck it. That's not uh, going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then after uh, uh, Tiffany and I, uh, when Tiffany brought me in and, and Jamie was all good, you know, we made up. Uh, about three weeks later, we went and got ramen together, my son and I, uh, on Melrose. And we were uh, driving down Sunset. And he goes, 
He goes, oh, I, I just want to see what it looks like in there. Is it nice? I go, you want me to go up? And he goes, yeah. And I called, I called, I don't know who I called, whoever the manager, I think it was Enrique. Yeah. I go, hey man, I'm going to come in right now. And I brought my son and he sat in Jamie's booth. Oh, oh, that's cool. I went up after Tom Green. Bro, I had the set of my life, bro. Oh, yeah. And it, all in front of Joe. And it was just like his, he loved, he couldn't believe so it, man. Cool. Yeah, he was like, it was, it was that moment in my life where I was like, yes, I finally got to do that in front of my son. Yeah, and yeah. he got to experience what that is, what, what that room At, is. In that room, yeah. Yeah, and it was yeah. on a weekday and it was like, it was packed. Like, he couldn't believe it. it was like, fuck, there's people here on a Thursday. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. And You got me tearing up because several reasons. One is, first of all, absolutely what you just said. I tell every comedian, no matter how big you get, no matter what you do, that place, store, those are places you go in yeah. and you get on that stage and it's like, it's like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain I it. I can't like, explain it. I tell people, I go like, being a comedian is like going to the gym. These guys who are yoked, there's a reason why we right. are yoked. On right. stage, we're yoked. Right. Yeah. And and now for me, this past pandemic year, this, the, the, the um, uh, uh, metaphor has been, or, or I should say the, the parallel has been these new outdoor shows they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing them. Mm -hmm. and, and I get off that set, I'm like, oh shit, I feel good. Yeah. So somebody, when you go to the Laugh Factory and, and you have that audience right there and you're home and you're just like, you're just on the wave yeah. Yeah. and you know that stage yeah. and to have your son see that. Dude, yeah, you yeah. got to see it. After all that time, because I don't know, I'm sure this is, because I know you're an, an emotional person. I, I talk about how growing up with an Iranian family, immigrant family. I remember this as a kid falling, scratching my knee. My dad was a very manly man, very, you know, very good to me, but also manly. So mm -hmm. cut my knee, I'm starting to cry. And he goes, son, men don't cry. Right. That's that's, that's yeah. the immigrant parents way of getting you to stop crying. Yeah. 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 And we don't have insurance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let it scab up. <laughs> let it scab up. Hey, look here. Uh, pussy. <laughs> you are pussy. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. I'm not paying for yeah, shit. I'm not paying for <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Go inside, boss. So, uh, pussy of the three kids. <laughs> so that voice voice was in my head so every time i would see i remember seeing et and people are crying in the movie theater and i'm looking around i'm getting ready to get cry and men don't cry yeah yeah terms of, terms of endearment men don't cry yeah men don't cry and it wasn't until my son was born that i think he undid the latch <laughs> yeah. and yeah. i just remember driving one time i was i was going to some some shoot up in like near castaic i'm driving on the five i'm going north and they tell a story of the house that the, the guy who created Superman, yeah. that house, I guess is in Ohio or somewhere, that house was being sold because the guy who was living there couldn't afford it. And the guy who created Superman, his widow comes on and she goes, you know, before he passed away, he signed some comics or something for me. And he said, you may need this one day. This is just insurance if you ever need to sell one of these. And so she was going to sell it to help this guy save the house. Wow. <sighs> And I just, I was, uh, yeah. 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 yeah, and then, yeah. and then the Superman song came. Yeah, yeah, He's really saving the day <laughs> right now. Yeah. I'm crying. Yeah, I'm crying. These goddamn kids. Yeah, yeah, they get you, man. They open the floodgates. Yeah, they do, man. That was that was one of the best moments of my life. That that one, I I will always cherish, man, because I really thought it was never gonna happen. I would drive by and just get like angry, like, God, why, why? Like, why did this have to happen? Like, right. 
Like I want him still to still wanting that relationship. Yeah, and, like and, uh, I wanted that relationship back with with Jamie, and, and I'm so happy to. That's why I love Tiffany so much, man. She's amazing. She's something. Tiffany, I I, I always I've, I've been saying this. She's one of the hardest people to follow, and I'll tell you why. She's funny as hell, but it's that last speech she gives. Not always, but sometimes she'll do it. She goes. I curse each and every one of you. I curse each and every one of you for a life of joy and pleasure. And this, so she's just taking you through laughter. Yeah. And now people in the audience are crying. They're like, yeah. "Oh my God, she's such a sweetheart." Oh, and they're yeah. like, "Who's next, Miles?" I'm like, "Shit, yeah. <laughs> men don't cry." Okay, men do not cry. Stop terms crying. of endearment. I don't know why I watched it as a kid, but what I did, I didn't uh, cry. I did not cry. I did not cry. Oh, hilarious. Hilarious, dude. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm when you said you. terms of endearment, I'm yeah, like, man, yeah. why the fuck did you watch yeah, that? Yeah, when did you watch that? How par- old were you? Dude, my parents didn't know what they were doing. They yeah. were like, let's go see. Like, they didn't know. There was no. I remember, I honestly remember seeing The Exorcist. Yeah. I think yeah. I must have been eight, between eight and 10. Yeah, yeah. that's about when I saw it. It was on Showtime. Yep. And we're just sitting there watching yeah. and the head's spinning and my parents are like, Whatever. I saw that. I saw Carrie when I was like, Seven, eight years old. Yeah, that's, that's, that's traumatic. Yeah, it is. No Why are they letting us watch that eight. shit? They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. And turns my of mom, endearment when somebody <laughs> dies from cancer. <laughs> <laughs> you legit watched that? Yeah. My mom took me to Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yes. You know how frightened I was every night? <laughs> shit. Every time I heard a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> the horror. The horror. <laughs> They're dancing in uh, pig's blood. <laughs> what scene is this? Uh. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. No, that was the time. You're the same, about the same age as me. I think you're younger than me. Hold on. 49. Oh, yeah. we're the same. Yeah. So then we grew up during the same time, right? Like when we grew up at, uh, when, when your family came to America, how old were you then? I was six. It was late 78. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up in Northern California. My father comes with a lot of money. Back then, he, he had a, because there was a revolution in Iran, he was able to get a good amount of his money out, and he was a successful businessman. He had an electric company in Iran. Yeah. Successful. And the best character I can compare my dad to is Vito Corleone. Like, he was the guy who, if you wanted something done, he would help. And yeah. he was yeah. very he was very generous in that way. But he yeah. comes to America, doesn't really know the system, buys mm-hmm. a bunch of property, loses all his money. Oh, no, man. So basically, he was like the American dream in reverse. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I grew up in Northern California and, uh, and I, I remember again, I think I've, I've referenced you on this cause when Eddie Murphy came back to do Saturday night live, yeah, being on your Instagram feed, I think I saw you do some, like something about like, this yep. is my guy. And I know the Sebastian, uh, Brett, I know all, all of us were of that era. Like yep. Eddie Murphy is our hero. He the, is. The reason I'm, why I'm in comedy is because of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. 100%. I loved Richard Pryor. I, I listened to his tapes, but there was something about Eddie Murphy. You know what it is now that I'm older? I finally figured out what it was. What is it? He was 20. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you didn't know he was no, twenty. No, no. But but kids relate to kids. You don't have to tell me you're an age, your age, but like I get yeah. I get you, bro. And that humor you're doing, I really get it. Nah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and delirious. Yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what I mean? There was there was Cosby, which was still funny, and then there was Eddie, because it's just I get it. Yeah. Like you're speaking my fucking language right. for some reason. For sure. So here's for what's sure. interesting, because before delirious, I went back and looked this up. So he had a tape. 
And it yeah. was just called Eddie Murphy. Yep. I remember. I remember and that. It was, and I remember sitting, the Pope Mobile. Yeah. Was yeah. Sitting in a room. Yeah. Yep. And like you guys were just talking about these movies that we saw that we weren't supposed to see. Yeah. That tape, I must have been eight or nine. I should not have had that at all. It was the best tape and ever. Did, it was. That was Hit by the Car. You remember Hit by a Car was hit on by that? A car. Yeah. <laughs> but we Fucking should not have had that. Amazing. <laughs> it looked like the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was so goddamn funny, how about, man. How about the, uh, the, 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 your lights are on? Yeah. yeah your yeah, lights yeah. are on. Hey, motherfucker, your lights is on. What the fuck, you blind and deaf? <laughs> That's Eddie Murphy, He's 1982. So we're 10 years old at that point, yep. listening to this. Now, here's what's interesting, because with- Same um, as me, dude. I think yeah. we lived in the same house. Yeah. It was the same, We were because we were the same people going, that's yeah. why we ended up in this world. Yeah. yeah. And so when he was, so this is now, you tell me how you were as a, as a young comic. I, as a young comic, was just totally green and like wide-eyed. And I'll tell you, my, one of my first experiences at the comedy store. I'd seen Paul Mooney here and there, comedy, yeah. you know, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. I'm on the list with Paul Mooney at the comedy store. Wow. Whatever. I'm like, whatever. I'm, I'm some, nobody knows who I am, but I'm so silly. I walk up to Paul Mooney. Uh, hi, Mr. Mooney. I just want to say it's a pleasure to be on the same stage as you. <laughs> He's so not used to this. He's like, oh, what? I just want to say it's very pleasure to be Oh, okay, homie. Okay, and he walks away from me like, "Who the fuck? What the yeah. fuck was that?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there going like, "Oh, wow, I just, I just told Paul Mooney it's a pleasure to be, you know, in this comedy yeah. game, you got to be like, hey, pa Mr. Mooney, big fan. I'm gonna go kill it. Yeah. I was like, and he's ah. gonna go, right. no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So because I'm gonna do an hour and a half. No, you're, you're not getting nothing. <laughs> you're not getting any time. <laughs> you're not gonna be at any stage. Do you know who the fuck I am? Yeah. I wrote for Richard Pryor. Yeah. I wrote for yeah. uh, uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I wrote for. Uh, <laughs> so Eddie was just on Seth Meyers. I think he wrote about, for Red Fox too. He wrote for everybody. So. He wrote yeah. for everybody. Yeah. So Eddie was just. Oh, on, Dave Chappelle. Jesus Christ! For everyone that doesn't know who Paul Mooney is, Dave Chappelle. Or or. Or, or uh, uh, homie, don't play that. that homie, don't play right. that. Homie that was, that's Chappelle, right. He yeah. came up with homie, don't play that. So, so um, uh, Eddie was just on Seth Meyers promoting uh, Coming to America Two, and he tells a story. Now, this is what you were talking about. Eddie was twenty, but he was an old twenty as well. Yeah, like, he was mature. Mature. He said, he said he came to the. He goes the first time I went to the comedy store. He goes, I'm on stage. I'm on Saturday Night Live. I'm on stage, and the director of um, either Forty Eight Hours or Trading Places was there. They haven't shot it yet, but the director's there. He goes, I start doing my set. He goes, about five minutes in, they start lighting me. And I go, hey, motherfuckers, I, why are you lighting me? I, I just got here. Right. And they go, well, uh, Paul Mooney's here. And Eddie says, I go, who the fuck is Paul Mooney? <laughs> this, this is a guy like 1920, yeah. right. 19 or 20 years old. Right. And they go, well, it's Paul Mooney. And Eddie goes, I turn to the audience, they go, you guys want to see me or you want to see Paul Mooney? The audience goes, you. He stays on stage, runs the light, gets off stage, John Witherspoon and Paul Mooney in the parking lot Hey kid, you can't be doing that shit. You owe him an apology. And he goes, I ain't apologizing to anybody, motherfuckers. And then he goes, Paul Mooney comes up to him and goes, I heard you do a joke about something, you know, whatever it is, your father. But he goes, I have a similar kind of theme joke. Could you do your joke for me? I want to see. And Eddie goes, I ain't doing my joke for you, motherfucker. So he was standing up to these veterans. Yeah. I'm listening to this. I go, holy shit, that dude had wow. some swagger. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing. He had swagger. Oh, yeah, yeah beyond swag. He owned but it, it. But at that point, he'd have been, what, five, six years in the game, Yeah, right? he was at 14 so, when he was doing it. Yeah. Um, You want to know another thing? Yeah. I went to Raw. I went to Raw. I went, no, I went to it live in concert. I, I have the ticket from 1987. That's oh, dope. Shit. Oakland Coliseum. That's dope. That's Mine was great. 
I bought the tickets on on the phone. Yes. I used my mom's voice so I could use the credit card. Yes. <laughs> Had to go to, I believe it was called the Bon Marche yeah. at the Tacoma Mall. Because yeah. this is when Ticketmaster would just have booths inside uh-huh. of department stores. Yeah. And I, I picked up my tickets. You remember who opened for him? I don't remember the opening act. Paul Mooney. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Paul Mooney opened for him wearing a pink fedora. He was on stage for an hour. Wow. And I remember, now you got to remember, this is like 1986, 87, I believe the tour was, right? And I remember sitting there, 86, I'm what? I'm like 16 years old. What time was it? When was it? 87. So it was 87. So what am I? I'm like, I'm 16, whatever. Whatever, I'm 15, 16. And I remember sitting in the audience. Mind you, there's no such thing as Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. What you're seeing is literally like, I can't even explain it. It's like, imagine, remember when you saw Jackass for the first time? You're like, what the fuck are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like this is, they're supposed to all go to jail and die right now. Right, right. They're going to die, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, when I saw Paul Mooney, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what is it? It's, it was so amazing yeah, to me. Yeah. Because he was saying these words and he was saying these things about white people and yeah. and, and other ethnicities. Yeah. Like I've heard Richard do it. I've heard other people do it, but not, not this. Not that way. Yeah. Not like yeah. this. Yeah. Not in this context. Not not with this delivery. Right. He literally sat on the stool with this big fucking Michael Jackson pink fedora, and he literally sat there and he was just talking <laughs> like that. And I was I was with my friend William at the time. I was like, yo, this dude is crushing. Who the right. fuck is this? There's no Def Jam, by the way. There's none right. of that. Right. Your, your only access to black comedy was what was ever on NBC at the time. Right. You know what I mean? Or maybe HBO if they put something on. Robert right. Townsend. Who was Robert great, Townsend. by the way. Robert yeah. Townsend. Bro, yeah. Robert Townsend is a legend. The, the only reason why most of these motherfuckers are out because of Robert Townsend. Robert yeah, Townsend sure, directed sure. Uh, Raw. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, I didn't mean to say motherfuckers. What I meant is like in terms of endearment. Yeah. Like yeah. he put Witherspoon on, Tommy Davidson on, yes. all of the Wayans. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. that was, that was. Uh, Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood, Hollywood Shuffle, shuffle man, on his ever, credit card. Bro. But, but, but that was it though. You had to have HBO to see that. Yes. There was, right. there was nothing accessible to like us. So Paul, when I saw that man, I, I, I remember explaining him. There was, Black dude with a pink fedora, man. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even know how to say his name, dude. But yeah, dude, Raw was amazing. I still have the ticket stubs in a in an album. Damn it, my I'm Raw from Raw. Oh. Now here's the other thing, though. You just explained to me something that I didn't even realize, and you just like you know how your memory says one thing and then somebody tells you and go, really? Yeah. No. So for the longest time, when people have been coming up to me, people people book me for a show and they'll be like, especially like when we go to the Middle East to do shows, uh, we have 15 comics, it's going to be three hours, then you will go on at the fourth hour. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I go, motherfucker, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. I go, people, I go, comedy is done an hour and a half. Yeah. If you, and if you want an intermission, we can go to two, whatever. And I, and I you always use the example of, I go, Broadway, best dancers, Best singers in the world. They'll do an hour. They take a break. Yeah. They come back to their second hour. Call it a night. Right. I go, you got way too many people on the show. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, I go, I went and saw Raw when I was a kid. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, my comedy god. Yeah. Saw him live. I go, people get tired of laughing. I go, 45 minutes in, I was tired of laughing. 
I forgot Mooney had done an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, you just, you just, you just, yeah, you yeah. just closed the story for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the reason I was tired because Mooney just done an hour. Right. Yeah, Because he was right. the opening act. He was right. the opening act, man. I don't remember Mooney because I just remember 45 minutes in with Eddie. I was, because you know how it is. Oh, yeah. When that comedy God walks out, there's Eddie Murphy. Ah! He goes, what's up? Whatever. He says, motherfucker. He says, ah! And he'd be yeah. like, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, Oakland, you know. Ah! <laughs> 45 minutes I just remember my jaws I was like oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I <laughs> but I'd been watching Moody for an hour too it was yeah. an hour and 45 in yeah man wow. that's crazy dude that was such a great concert I still remember I was such an Arsenio Hall fan too oh. and I remember there was this guy uh, that, that had these puppets he was this Black guy, he had these puppets and they, uh -huh. they, that he made on broomsticks. Yeah, right. And then he could move their mouths, and he was doing it. And he was on, he was a guest with Eddie Murphy. So Eddie Murphy was mm -hmm. on our senior hall, and this guy was the act before Eddie. I remember right? That guy. You remember that guy? Yeah, he was on a stick. And then like Eddie goes, Eddie wasn't goes, that Heath Heish? He was the white I guy. I don't know. No, no, it was a black guy. It was a black guy. And he goes, he goes, Eddie goes, man, I like that guy. I'm gonna take him on tour. You know, like that. Wow. That's what he said on yeah. on Arsenio. And he was re open for Paul. He went no up before way. Paul. I was like, I remember I looked at Will. I was like, that's a dude from Arsenio. Oh man, that's him, dude. It was such man. That was one of the greatest nights of my life. Amazing, amazing, man. Amazing. I, I, I've never witnessed anything like that before. And I've gone and saw some greats, man. Like yeah. I saw Richard Jenny when he was like, like fucking you know platypus man yeah. and, and then I, I saw carlin in ba at bally's where they still were uh you had to tip the usher to get close to the front like it was like old <laughs> vegas man yeah, like you know what i mean it was like in the 80s man and it was like i remember we, they sat us way in the back by the the freezer and my dad had like four 20s on him he's like i'll get us close joe watch and he kept hilarious. giving the guy 20 and he would just kept getting closer and closer but i thought i got to see carlin at bally's man wow. in, the, in the showroom wow. there's just so many i saw chris dude but the thing is because by the way again i think part of it too is what you said he they, we were closer in age but also you've you've seen it with your own son and i'm seeing it with my kids my daughter's uh, 10, my son's 12. Yeah. Since the age of maybe eight, nine, they started really watching comedy Saturday Night Live. Key and Peel right now for them is amazing. Every time when you get in the car, my son turns on Sirius XM. That's it. He, he's always going down the comedy channels. Yep. So for us back then, like what you, you're running through your list, I, you know, that's what we did. Yeah. You know, you go yeah. into that world. I saw Kinison live wow. at the Fillmore and he did a thing at the end. Talk about technology. Yeah. Talking to someone in the front. Has anyone broken your heart recently? Yeah, what's her name? Did it? Give me her phone number. They bring out a dial phone. Wow. Mic, with a cord into the microphone. He calls her. Hey, is Jenny there? You're hearing on the speaker. You're like, what the fuck? And they're like, no, she's not. He's like, well, she comes back. Let her know. She's a bitch. Hey, that guy. He starts screaming oh at her. Oh, my Whoa. God, dude. I mean, left and right. I saw Carlin live. I mean, that's what we did. Shit. But that's why we're here. Yeah. 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 Because we were lucky to find that calling and go, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did how did it feel uh, moving here? Your parents are immigrants, yeah, and and move, moving into this country, and then having to uh, find a way to become a comic without pissing off your parents, dude. It took me forever because people don't understand that when I say that joke. Yeah, when I tell them that, it's like you don't know how offensive that is to immigrant immigrant parents. You're oh, yeah. literally slapping 
their fucking faces. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. literally shitting on their on what they think is the dream. Your dad escaped a revolution yeah. and grabbed what little money that he had, which was a lot, but it wasn't all right. because he was escaping for freedom. Well, like, and now you want to tell fucking <laughs> jokes? Exactly. Yeah. Do you know who I am? Yeah, 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 I yeah, am yeah. the Persian version of the God for you fucking you piece. Uh, hey, stop crying. Uh, <laughs> Fucking stop crying. That's, That's the best. all this guy wants to do is cry and tell fucking jokes. That's you the- want jokes? You're going to make me cry. That's the best impression of my dad I've ever oh, seen in my entire You're going to play my dad in the movie. <laughs> Done. Why is his father Italian? I don't know. It was a choice. You need to know the backstory, man. It was a choice. It was a choice. We went with it. You know, we went with it. No, it was absolutely um, unacceptable to do that. And, and that's why it took me so long to get around to it. Because yeah. what happened was every time I throw it out there, I, the first time I went on a stage, like after whatever, being four in some play, school play, um, junior high, seventh grade, I did the musical. I auditioned for the musical. We, we, we were seventh and eighth. There was a musical called The Boyfriend. I don't know what inspired me, whether it was Eddie Murphy or the fact that like there was some girls I had crushes on that were doing this. Let me go audition. I go audition. It's a musical. And it was interesting because the, the director, her name was Shirley Bonbright. Yeah. She goes, when you're up on stage on a musical, you always got to be smiling. You always got to be dancing and smiling. Yeah, yeah. That's why you, I hate musicals. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, yeah. not everyone needs to smile. Nobody's bro, that happy. Bro, no, no. You you, you got to, you got. You and I are going to do a musical together. Oh, I'm down. I'm You're going to love the goddamn I'm, musical. I'm down. I'm down. I'm be, every once in a while, I'll be looking over, Joe, I can't wait. smile, motherfucker. Yeah. I love to I smile. I can't wait to see this. Bro, we do The Boyfriend, and here's what it is. I think coming from an immigrant family, I respect we were taught to respect your elders. Yes. My mom used to yes. hit us. My mom would hit us. Yeah. My dad never hit us. My mom yeah. would hit us. Right. Respect your elders. American kids talk back to your elders. Yeah, fuck your elders. Uh, not, fuck all. Your not all. Not all. Well, okay, maybe not black people. <laughs> not, not black people. Yeah, black, black people, you gotta respect people. your elders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I ever, feel like black people are immigrants we're too. We're close. All right, let's yeah, just close. say you're immigrants too. Listen, we're just, let's just, just say white people. White people, white people. White people are taught they have the right to talk back to their parents. Let's just say white people. Let's get it out. Bro, Let's just say it. Bro, Let's I was at my friend's house. His name is Jesse. He's one of my best friends to this day. Yeah. yeah. We're 12 or 13 years old. His mom walks in, says something like, Jesse, your room's always a mess. And he's like, mom, leave me alone. <laughs> oh, and she goes, well, I never. And she walks away. Uh, <laughs> I never? Yeah. And I, was she I, alluding to I, his character? No. I turn to Jesse. I go, is she coming back with a weapon? What's going on? <laughs> well, I never. And he goes, he goes, no. He goes, he goes, he goes, no. I go, that's it? He goes, that's it. I go, what the fuck? Wow. Yeah. yeah. My mom, I can't, I couldn't be like, mom, get off my back. No. My mom used to. You can't say none of that. She would. So, so I think because of that, in my head, I learned, I learned to listen to. You're, you're adults. So when yeah, Shirley yeah. Bombright, the director, says smile on stage, mm-hmm. I'm smiling on stage because yeah. she might have a hanger and beat my ass. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So we're doing this thing. We're rehearsing. every other, All the other American kids, white kids, are like eh, picking their fucking teeth, whatever. <laughs> I'm sitting there. I show up one day. I'm sick. I go, Miss Bombright, I'm under the weather, but I know you said we, it's an ensemble. We need to be here. By the way, I'm a background dancer. I'm in the seventh grade. It's seventh and eighth. Yeah. I'm one of the, you know, I'm not, I, 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 all I'm doing the Charleston, won't you, Charleston, with me, da 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 Smile! Smile! <laughs> da, da, da. I show up, I'm doing the rehearsal, yeah. I'm smiling, yeah. I'm dancing, yeah. and I've told her I'm sick. She stops the whole rehearsal. Everybody stop, oh. stop, stop. Everyone, <laughs> look at him. Look at him. He's sick. He came 
He's smiling. You got to learn from him. In my head, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm doing this right. Yeah. And that was the seed. The seed's in yeah, my head. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Next year, I get the lead, little Abner. Next year, every like ninth grade, all every year, I'm getting better and better. My parents are showing up to these shows now. By the way, I don't know how Filipino parents were when Persian parents came to any rundown event in the gymnasium. They'd yeah. be dressed up like they're at the goddamn Fuck. Copacabana. Yeah. yeah. All your gold, mom? All yeah. of your gold? Yeah. Fur coat? Yeah. Don't wear the goddamn fur coat. Yeah, you know we're getting free milks, right? We <laughs> fill out the applications and you're coming in like Mrs. T? What the hell? What the fuck, yeah. mom? Dude. They would show, oh, and they would come backstage after the show. And I swear to God, I remember like that like a couple of times. These teachers and directors would like come over, and be like, "Your son's really good. Thank you, thank you." No, he's like, he's got what it takes to do this. Oh, thank you, thank you. We get in the car. I was like, "Oh my God!" My dad said, "Thank you." Maybe he's gonna actually encourage me now to do this. And he'd be like, "Listen, don't listen to that lady. That bitch is crazy. <laughs> you can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor, and you won't cry, motherfucker. Dad, do so, not cry, even when you lose a case. <laughs> you lose what? A case. <laughs> so they had me. So my whole, I got into it in a roundabout way. I kept doing plays. I would do kind of o- a couple of open mics here and there, and then I let it go. And I was gonna first gonna be a lawyer because that's what they told me I should be. Yeah. Then I was gonna be a professor." Because I went. So you're my, going to college for this? I went to college. I undergrad. I did. Uh, I went to Cal undergrad. Got a poli sci degree. Jesus wow. Christ! Junior year, I went to Italy and studied abroad. What? One of my yeah. best years of my life. Yeah. I tell kids all the time. I go, go to another country for a year. You're gonna love it. That's where I see this professor. I go, this is this guy. This is what I can do. Because I figured my parents, if I came back and said I'm gonna be a professor, they'd be like, that's a respectable job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still to them, there was like, no, you should, you gotta be a lawyer, make good money. So anyway, I got on a PhD program at UCLA. Wow. Damn. And I started, but right away I realized I don't wanna do it because I started doing the plays at UCLA again. And I was alive on stage. And, and, yeah. and then by day in class, I was like, oh God, I don't like this. Yeah. Dropped out of that. And it was roundabout. So it wasn't until I was 26 when I finally had the wow. maturity of mind to tell my parents, it's not about what you guys want because I realize you live once and mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta live for you. For sure. Yeah. Right? For sure. Yeah. And so I had a lot of moments. Like I was working at I was working at an ad agency. I was a assistant for this creative director. And there was a guy there, his name was Joe Ryan. Joe was in his sixties, he was a producer at the ad agency. He was one of these one of these like guardian angels that comes along in your life. And I was twenty six at the time. My goal was to save up money till I'm thirty and then go for it. Yeah. Joe sees me doing a play. Hey, you're pretty funny. Have you thought about doing this? Joe, I was going to do it when I was 14, 15, 16, all my life. Didn't happen, but now I'm saving up money. In four years, I'm going to try this. And he goes, let me talk to you. He goes, look, I'm in my 60s. This is Joe Ryan. He goes, I'm in my 60s. There were some things I wanted to do in my 20s. I never got around to doing it. He goes, if you really want to do it, do it. Light bulb moment. Yeah. Went to my boss. I go, listen, dude, I don't have a gig, but I'm going to start taking improv classes, I'm gonna start taking stand-up, I'm taking whatever, and that was it. That was the moment, and whenever people ask me now, they go, when when did you consider yourself successful? I go, the moment I decided to do that, yes, sir. I was successful. Everything yeah. else has been icing on the cake. Yes, exactly, man. Yes, Success isn't mo- money. No, no. <laughs> Success is doing what you love to That's do. Right. What you're passionate about. Yeah, sure. fulfill your dream. Recognizing what you were born to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be entertainment. Right. Could be a lumberjack, goddammit. Yep. If yep. you were born to do it, love it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't no, go seriously. into work going, man, I hate this axe. That's so you thing. weren't supposed to be a lumberjack. Right, right. <laughs> go find what it is that you want to do. There's this quiz that I that I took. It's called the working genius, right? And it's yeah. about it's basically about that. It's about 
when they say the word genius, it's about doing something that you're passionate about because that's what where you're going to find your genius at. It's that simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so if you if, if you're passionate about comedy, you you're gonna you're gonna eventually get good. Yeah, exactly. If, if you're if you're passionate about like you said, being a lumberjack, whatever, you're gonna you're gonna thrive. You know, you're gonna thrive in that because yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna strive to be the best, and yeah. you're gonna be alive. Like alive. you were just saying, there was no like when I was working at the ad agency. Granted, advertising is actually in in terms of office work, like that's one of the more fun. If you work in the creative side of advertising, you're running along around with a bunch of creatives. There's foosball tables. There's all, you know, the <laughs> yeah. mood is the right mood. Mm -hmm. But there was many days where I'm driving to the work and I'm like daydreaming and I'm just like, oh God, I don't want to be going there. Mm -hmm. I would say in all these years of stand-up comedy, even when I've had the long ass drive, there's never been a time where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. Mm -mm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I can't think of one time where I was like, I don't, I mean, there's been times I'm on a plane, I'm tired, but not a single time where I'm like, no, nope. I don't. I, when, I mean, when you are passionately in love with what you do, you go in when you're on your deathbed. Mm -hmm. I did a show. I swear to God, I think I should have died. Mm -hmm. I think I had pneumonia. I'm not even lying. Yeah. It was in Hawaii, and it was like four years ago. I was on my deathbed. You yep. know, like, should we cancel the show? And I'm like, you can ask my promoters, by the way. I'm not even like, I literally like crawled out, got on stage, yeah. told the crowd I was sick, went back to the green room, and I was done. I mean, and that's how much I loved it. It Absolutely. was like, it, it made, and by the way, that hour that I was on stage, that hour and a half I was on, I felt so good. Yeah, right. <laughs> I yeah, felt right, so good. Right. I mean, it's such a blessing to be able to to make money, to make a living at something that you can't get enough of. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. You and, know what I mean? And, like, and it's and it's what you said. It makes you feel alive. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I remember being at Cobb's, completely lost my voice. <laughs> yeah. Now there's by oh, the in way, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you you want to do it, but you also go. I want to. I want to entertain these people. And if anybody says, "Hey, I didn't. I don't feel like I got my money's worth." Give him his money back. Mm -hmm. But I'm on stage yeah. realizing for the first time how much my voice, like I knew I did a lot of voices, but I'm like, anyway, and then I was like, yeah. <laughs> I just whispered my way through the set. But I was like, I was moving, Joe. I was yeah. like, I'm you were selling. smiling. Smile, bro. Smile. <laughs> People were like, yes. <laughs> Don't fake it, just bust a move. This joint is gonna get you in the mood. Star Bands Avenue, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.